You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week to bring you content that is not just aimed at rural context, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places. Because as we know, sometimes the lessons that God teaches, the things that God does— uh, just look different in a small town. And so whether you are a volunteer or a bivocational pastor or a lay leader, we are just so excited you're tuning in because, again, our goal is to bring you as many great things as we can about what it means to build God's kingdom in small, out-of-the-way places. We are in the middle of our second uh, part, really. I mean, parts is kind of a loose term, but we've been hearing from bivocational voices, and we took a break a few weeks ago to to highlight a rural resource but now we're kind of getting back into hearing from bivocational voices, people who have a full or part-time secular profession, and then those who also then find themselves in ministry. Because being bivocational, one, is a huge experience for a lot of people, and two, it has its own unique lessons that the Lord teaches through it. And today uh, is no different. So before we jump into that, I am your host, Joe Epley, and today our guest is Amy Osterhout, and she is a lead pastor who is bivocational, who works in the town of Hitchcock, Oklahoma. And so first, I just want to welcome her. Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to get to this talk with you today and give some perspective of what it's like in a small town in Oklahoma and what it's like to work and do ministry. Awesome. And we are so excited to hear that perspective. Like I said, uh, so far, it has blessed me immensely to be listening to uh, voices who are not just, again, working at building the church, but having to work on the side and having to kind of walk both worlds. And so uh, the first question I ask you today is uh, a question we ask everybody, because again, we really highlight uh, on this podcast that we hear from rural voices. And so can you just help me understand, help our listeners understand, what is your background in ministry? Tell us a bit of your story and your connection to the rural church. Yeah, definitely. My background in ministry, my husband and I both, or I guess I should say neither, grew up in church. We were in our mid-20s when we started attending and really just, just getting to know the Lord. And at the time, we were in a, I'm not going to say a mega church, but it was a church that had more than one service on Sunday morning. So sure, for sure. us, that was a it was a bigger church. They had a whole building for the kids. And, and that was kind of where we'd been going and where we got our start. And we moved to Western Oklahoma. And the churches in rural Oklahoma are a lot different than the churches in bigger towns. Sure, and so yeah. really, the way that I got into it was, I was super selfish. We were in a church, and there just wasn't a lot for the kids, because there wasn't a ton of volunteers to work with the kids. And I I just wanted a little more for my kids because they were used to having lots sure, and lots of yeah. stuff going on. And so I went to the pastor one day and I was like, hey, I wish we could do this. And he was like, okay, then do it. Let's get to planning and, and let's make this happen. And that's what it's like in small towns. Like if somebody shows even the remote smallest bit of interest, well, let's see what we got to do to make it happen. And, and then I just, went from kids ministry and God just continued to grow it. And he continued to push me to stretch my limits. And so I started going to school ministry and 
went through that whole process of getting ordained. There was a church building that had been sitting empty for about seven years and God said, go. So we went. Awesome. And just to give people an idea. uh, So Hitchcock, Oklahoma, if I understand, is the location of this church. And what is Mm -hmm. the population of Hitchcock, Oklahoma? So I've been saying 120. Anytime I would talk to you about Hitchcock, I'd say 120 if everybody's grandkids were in town. But uh, with the latest census we are at 98 98 man yes gosh people's grandkids moved away what the heck yeah i guess man well that is that is rural of rural because there's small towns and then there's hitchcock and that's you know that's definitely uh quite a ministry context well hey uh so so that's obviously your ministry side so let's also paint a picture for our listeners what does it mean for you to be bivocational in your life what does that look like for you So just a typical week is I work Monday through Friday, eight to five. I work at a hospital in the next town over. I work in registration. And so that's what I do during the day. And on Monday evenings, I have a Zoom meeting with the other leadership, some other leader, lead pastors. And that's a Zoom meeting that I do on Monday nights. Tuesday nights, we have prayer. Wednesday nights, we have dinner and church. Thursday nights are the night that I really try to not plan anything. And right now, Friday nights, we say Friday nights belong to our youngest. We have one left at home and it's his senior year. So we really want to be intentional at spending those Friday nights with him as he does all the sports. And so Friday nights are for him. Saturdays is our housework day since we're not home at all during the week and and I do my weekly grocery shopping, which is, you know, driving an hour and a half to the sure, nearest Walmart. Yeah. Classic, really. And then, yeah. And then Sunday's church and recovering, getting ready for the week again. So that's that's kind of what we do. We just go back and forth and get stuff done. Absolutely. And I, uh, I really love hearing that because, again... There is just so much uniqueness in each perspective. We've had voices on this podcast who uh, do ministry and then as a side hustle, do other ministry. And like, it's really fun to watch that or people who do like a part-time thing or people who are like, hey, to support ourselves, we have to have have these full-time employed jobs. And like, what kind of tensions does that create? So thank you for giving us a snapshot kind of into your world and into uh, the context in which we're bringing these lessons out of. Um, So First, I want to, because I was just enthralled by the story of Hitchcock AG, right? The story of the Assembly of God Church in Hitchcock. So let's dive deeper into that. Talk about, I know you mentioned over the phone, this ministry to firefighters. And and really, I think the major point of the story is how long it really took and the circumstances under which you kind of started to feel accepted in the community. And then we're going to shift. So once we've heard the story, I want to maybe you to peel out some of those immediate lessons that God spoke to you through those things. So when we first acquired the building, like I said, it had been empty for about seven or eight years. And so there was a year of really just fixing the things that needed to be fixed. And that's the year we kind of tried to go outreach heavy, I guess, where we tried to just go into the community and do things. We'd do like a grill walk where we walked around with a grill behind a pickup and passed out burgers. And we uh, really tried to be a blessing to the fire department because it's volunteers. They all have day jobs. And so it's something that I can definitely relate to. And we wanted to be a blessing to the fire department. So that was kind of a thing we targeted. But being a small town, there is a lot of resistance that I didn't really expect, I guess. 
And so whenever we first started doing these outreaches, like you would have thought that we were passing out Kool-Aid with the burgers, the way these people (laughs) reacted to us, like it was just, they were not interested in the Jesus we were selling. And there was just a lot of resistance. I would say probably the first two years. So the first year they do um, a pancake feed every year. It's a big, it's a, it's a role thing. The fire department does a pancake feed. That's how they raise funds to keep things going. And so the first year we asked, Hey, can we help with this pancake feed? And we can bring inflatables because we have a partner church we could partner with, like we will do anything. And they were like, no, we're, we're good. Turned you down cold. So rude. Yes. Like we (laughs) don't want anything. We're good. And so it was like, okay, that, that stung a little bit, but, but we're just going to keep loving them against their will. And so we just continued to do that. And we took on little projects here and there. And the next year came back and it was like, Hey, can we help? And they still really weren't interested in help. And so finally God gave me this. I, it has to be a God wisdom thing because I never would have come up with it on my own because that's just how God works. But he kind of revealed to me that I needed to change my tactic. And so I went to them and I was like, look, I won't make eye contact. I won't talk about the church. We won't even wear a church shirts. Just let us come wipe up syrup. That's all I'm asking. We just want to wipe syrup off the tables and throw away trash. And they were like, fine, that's fine. Just, yeah, let's do it. All right. You can wipe wow. syrup. So they let us and um, we were the first ones there and the last to leave. And we didn't want our picture taken. We didn't want like any kind of recognition of all. We really just wanted to serve them. And I think that was the first time that they got to see that. And I think oh, that they sure. needed to see it. I mean, I could say it till I was blue in the face that they really Absolutely. needed to see that we just wanted to serve and we didn't want the recognition. We didn't want, um, like I said, our pictures posted on Facebook or anything. We just wanted to serve. And so we got to do that. And it was really cool because they asked us to come back the next year. Oh wow. And so that was really the turning point, I feel like. And so then throughout that year, between one year and the next, we started cooking dinners for their training days. We're centrally located in the area. There's a bunch of other rural sure. departments around us. So when they have training days, everybody would come here to Hitchcock. So it's like, hey, can we just drop the food off and leave? Like, again, don't want to talk, don't want to yeah. do anything. We just want to drop the food off and leave. I'm and still, so they let us. I'm still hung up on the whole, like, I, we won't even make eye contact. Like, the level <laughs> right? of, like, humility yes. you had to take on to yeah. be like, no, 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 this isn't about us. This is so not about us. But anyways, yeah, continue 100%. on. So you're still, you're rocking that. You know, you're still like, hey, we will yeah. leave the building. We'll walk out backwards. You don't even have to look, yes. you know. Yes. And so we we would do that for the meals. Um, and, and in the beginning, we would just take the food, drop it off, and leave. And then they would start catching us and be like, hey, would you mind praying for us real quick? Oh, wow. And so it really began to open those doors, our willingness to just serve them and not want the recognition. They were like, oh, okay, these people aren't bad after all. So it's really cool the way just like being humble and taking us completely out of the equation. One of my things that I'm sure the people around me get sick to death of hearing is it's not about me. If it ever becomes about me, then I need to walk away. Sure. And so with everything that we do outreach-wise, it has to be not about me. And so, you know, we took that same approach with feeding them. Like we give them the food and we walk away. And um, it's really grown into just a beautiful relationship. This last spring, 
we got to host the fire department for an appreciation banquet. Wow. They came and we set up our sanctuary and their wives came and their kids came and um, we just had to love on them and we, you know, fed them and we had little toys on, you know, like little fire trucks on the table for the kids to play with. And uh, it was just a really cool experience to see how far we've come from, yeah. no, we don't want your help to, hey, can we use your church for this banquet? It was just really cool. Wow. It's been a really cool journey. Yeah. And honestly, even as I'm, I'm hearing you talk, you know, it becomes really clear, like, like let's refresh our memory from, we don't want your help to hosting a dinner. How much time passed? I would say two to three years. Two to three years, man. One <laughs> thing we run into again and again is that rural contexts are a labor of love applied over an equally long period of time. And like, yeah, I just hope, I just hope our listeners pick up on that is like, even that statement of it's not about me. Cause I think, I think we all say on the surface, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that like, yeah. oh yeah, no, we just want to serve. We don't want any of the credit, but like, we also intensely want to share the gospel. We want to share who we are. Yeah. We want to share the church, but you're talking two to three years where it yeah. really was like, no, we won't even, it's not, a, it's so not about us that it almost feels self-defeating. And yet that became the bridge. Wow. Just what a powerful story, man. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that experience. And thank you for walking that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like what a, what a testament by example of the power of that. Mm-hmm. So I do want to look now. So, so again, now that we've got this idea of what it is to labor and love, to, to love this small town, as you mentioned against their will, I want to focus on the being bivocational part, right? So um, obviously it's quite a challenge, you know, but there's also a great opportunity there. Like, like what door do you think God has opened because you were willing to work in a secular profession in addition to ministry? Like what doors does that open? When I started at the hospital, I actually started in laundry. It was, I had been working at the school as a paraprofessional, um, which means that I worked with a, a child that had special needs. And that was, one of my favorite jobs, but when COVID happened, everything kind of just went weird and schools shut down. And I didn't know if I was going to even be able to go back to work in the fall. And so I just took on the summer job of working in the laundry at the hospital. And um, through that, and just me being genuine, I guess, I don't know, I guess people like me, but just through being <laughs> genuine, there became an opening at the registration desk at the hospital and they approached me and they were like, Hey, we think you'd be really good for this. We need somebody that's kind and compassionate because honestly, a lot of times when people come into the hospital, it's not for a good reason. It's because they're facing some sort of difficulty or they're going through some kind of hardship. And they really just wanted somebody there that had the presence of God, I guess. And so they had approached me and they were like, we really want you to do this. And so honestly, through that, I get to pray with people. I get to love on people when sometimes it feels like their whole world is caving in. And I get those opportunities to say, hey, can I just pray with you? Or or let me, you know, I'll get up and I'll go out there and meet them and I'll walk them down to where they're going. And it's just been a really cool opportunity to get to love on people in a way that I might not have had I not been working in the secular. So yeah. that's been really neat. Yeah, sure. And honestly, like, uh, again, found that time and time again, where it is so amazing 
Because because really what you're doing at the, you know, reception or front desk of a hospital is pastoring. It's handling people. It's meeting them in crisis. It's communicating well. It's showing love and compassion. Like there, it's the same job almost. You know what I'm saying? And yet in this secular profession, God gets a chance to do that. And so that's so cool, um, first of all. Uh, So I want to ask you the question, because obviously um, you would not have been able to necessarily work in Hitchcock without a second job. And so, you know, maybe someone's looking at a place like that saying, well, how do you make ministry work or why even bother? And and so maybe chat with us about how, you know, being bivocational has led to this opportunity has led to, you know, what does that look like for you? Well, a lot of times whenever I'm working, I get an opportunity to meet people that I might not have met. Otherwise, I might not have crossed paths with them otherwise. And so by being bivocational, I get to go into a town that, like I said, this church had been empty for so long because people just weren't interested in going to a small church in a small town. And so through being bivocational and getting to meet people in different settings, that I wouldn't normally have been in, it's connected me with people. And then I've got somebody that I've been able to uh, kind of minister to since the beginning of this. You know, I had that relationship before we even opened the church and began to just kind of nurture it through this season. And, and I've got to watch her go from being somebody that struggled with addiction and struggled with self-worth. And we've gotten to just invest in her. And we've gotten to watch her grow and we've gotten to be a part of this journey with her. And part of that is through, you know, interacting with people in our bivocational jobs. So it it does create opportunities that I might not have had just coming to the church and going home, coming to the church and going home. So it is it is a cool opportunity to get to to meet people that I might not otherwise encounter. Absolutely. And I love I love that story, because, again, you say someone from the beginning, even in the years where the church isn't gaining traction. It feels like, you know, you're trying to break into the community and yet let's, let's draw a map for our listeners. If you don't have a job to support yourself, there's no way you take on Hitchcock assembly as a church. And if you don't take on that church, here's this uh, young woman that you're able to minister to Mm -hmm. that would again, probably never, or at least that we know of, you know, never get to encounter Mm -hmm. that message of Christ become discipled without again, the pathway that was created. So bivocational doesn't become a curse. It becomes a blessing. Man, right, it absolutely stuff. does. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I uh, so I want to move on to uh, again some of the cool stuff that that uh, just peeling out of our previous phone conversation. But there's a quote that you shared from a pastor, and I'm not even going to try it because I'm probably going to butcher it. But I know it involved <laughs> apples and seeds without being the story of Johnny Appleseed. So, can you share with us that quote and tell us like what it yeah. means for you working with the rural church? Yeah. So I had been in a season of really just struggling. I mean, just being transparent, you know, like we had been laboring. And before Hitchcock, I had been part of church, I had been part of programs that grew quickly. You know, I, um, at the church where I started with the kids ministry, it blew up really quick. And so we got to see that immediate growth. And then um, I went to another church and was part of a big growth season there. And so that was kind of a that's what I was used to. That's what I had seen. And so we come to Hitchcock, and it's this slow roll. And so I was in a season of just being discouraged, like, God, what are we doing here? When we would show up to church, and everybody that was there came in my car. It was like, (laughs) what are we doing here? Because that's, I I mean, there were weeks that that was the truth of it. And I went to it was one of the district councils that I had gone to. And I heard a speaker, a pastor, he said, 
you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. And honestly, that was a, like, it blew my mind. It was one of those moments where God was like, you have to trust me. You know, it doesn't look like you're used to this doesn't, it doesn't look like we think it should look. You don't know what the next step is. You don't know what the next season is. You don't know how long it's going to be until you get to this next part of this journey. And you just have to trust me. And that was just so like, that's one of those things that I will probably carry with me forever. I may never see the fruit of this labor. Like that's the truth. I may never see what comes of it. And I've got to be okay with that. As long as I'm obedient. And as long as I do what God calls me to do, there's going to be more apples. Yeah. And I just have to trust that. I just got to trust that he knows more than I do because he's God. And so that's, it was one of those, like in a super discouraged moment, that saying, I, I guess kind of saved me from those thoughts of wanting to walk away because it was like, I may not see the fruit, but it's there yeah. and it will be, and it will be for generations. And so, you know, that's why we do what we do is to give him glory and I think that if I had the big growth right away, maybe I'd try sure. and take credit. I don't know. Sure. You know? Yeah. And so, and, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's a great quote because one of the things we're recognizing more and more about the rural church is that uh, explosive numbers growth just is not like it's it's the classic Einstein illustration or, that everyone quotes him as of, you know, if you if you judge, you know, a fish by their ability to climb a tree or a monkey by his ability to swim, like you'll be right. you'll be really off. And and I really think that like the rural church gets such a bad rap because uh, it is just so not often that a rural church gets to say, well, yeah, we added 50 people to our church this week or 50 people this year or 50 people this five years, you know, yeah. and yet what does success mean? It probably, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, means like a community has a positive impact to the gospel. It probably means this one soul that you mentioned, like goes from addiction and struggle to like thriving and being in a relationship with Jesus. And like that yeah. matters and obedience matters. And so, man, what a powerful statement, I suppose, on just the importance of the gospel is that it is that there are apples in that seed, even if we do not get to see the fruit yeah. at all. Man, powerful stuff. Well, hey, near the end of our phone conversation, you kind of got on a subject that gave me a little bit of like the Holy Ghost, you know, goosebumps a little bit because I was like, man, I feel like like God is here and God has spoken to you in this in just such a powerful way. And so you spoke about maybe the challenge because of bivocational, of feeling like you didn't have enough time to do everything you wanted to do in ministry. I, I think we, I even remember specifics. You said, well, I wish I could do this kind of ministry and this kind of ministry, but I just don't have time. And so what lesson has God taught you? I think you mentioned the word like, like timing or trusting God's timing, but I'd love for you to elaborate on that because I think it's just such a gold mine of encouragement. So, yeah. So like there's, there's a lot of things that I wish that I could do that I can't because I'm bivocational. Um, one of the things that I loved doing before I, uh, well, back whenever I could was going to jail ministry. And that was one that I never would have chosen for me. I never would have thought, man, I really miss going to the jail. But, you know, there's jail <laughs> ministry. What a statement. I know, right? <laughs> I have to be careful how I say it. But yeah. So that's like, true. That's true. Um, there's there's things like going to the jail. There's working in the school. There's just a ton of opportunities that are out there for us to be in the community. And we just, if we're going to do something, we have to use our PTO because we have jobs. But the thing that God's really taught me through this season of having to, it's almost like putting the 
puzzle pieces together, figuring out how to make the most of every minute is that we just have to trust in his timing. And while I might not like that, I have to work. Um, And there might be days when I grumble and groan and complain and get frustrated. The truth of the matter is God has me here for a reason. He has me working by vocational Mm -hmm. for a reason And when and if there's a time that I'm going to step into this full time and this will be all that I do, it will be because God opened those doors. You know, my husband and I had an experience where and we do this anytime we're looking at at a big change in life. And it was that he was looking actually a place had called him, wanting him to come work for them. So we went in, filled out the application and we sat in the car and we prayed and said, you know, God, if this is where he's supposed to be, open the door. If this is not where he's supposed to be, shut that door and lock it. Sure. And so he gets out of the car and walks to that door that we watched people come in and out of and the door wouldn't open. And he turned around and came back to the car and sat down and we left and we never looked back because we trust God's timing. Mm-hmm. It, it may have been a better opportunity. It may have been better pay, sure. but there was a reason that God closed that door. And so we just have to trust. We have to trust him that we are exactly where he wants us to be and as long as we continue to be obedient in that and we continue to walk the walk that he has before us he's going to continue to reach the lost and that's why we do what we do is to reach the lost and so i just believe even though it's frustrating sometimes as long as we're obedient and as long as we trust in his timing that's all that matters you know sure that's the good stuff yeah absolutely and honestly like I, uh, I, I, even in my own life, you know, I think of this application where, uh, how many times are we tempted to miss the lessons of today yearning for the opportunities of tomorrow? You know, how many times, especially, especially in rural ministry where fruit, uh, grows slower, it can feel like where there's just kind of a different kind of laboring again, not denigrating any other church context. Obviously everyone's doing the work of the Lord, but, but just kind of this difference where uh, sometimes you're tilling up soil that just takes so stinking long and, <laughs> yes. and you're, and you're just like recognizing. And yet the Lord's timing is so important because again, uh, it says Paul echoed thousands of years ago. He said, I did this and Apollo did this and yet God will bring the growth. And so this has just been a delightful conversation today, Amy. Thank you so much for being yeah. on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited because uh, one, I, I think I even told you uh, before we started this call that uh, even this week, you know, from our phone conversation, let alone this podcast, I remember that your story encouraged me and then I was able to use it to encourage another. And and so if you're tuning in today, we are so glad that you joined us on the Rural Advancement Podcast. And that's kind of the goal is that one rural leader is speaking to another that is speaking to another, that is speaking to another, and we are all being encouraged to do the work of God. And so um, if you're tuning in and you find yourself in a great season or a hard season, if this podcast was a breath of fresh air or just a very you know hard challenge for you today, where however the Holy Spirit's using it, we just hope that you walk away encouraged and blessed and knowing that there's people who get it, people who are with you, and we uh, confidently believe that God is doing something great in whatever small place you find yourself in. So uh, from us to you, please check us out. Please uh, follow us on Spotify or on Apple Podcast or RuralAdvancement.com. And we will see you next week. 